Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 45. Lamar Jackson, cramps or craps? Happy Hanukkah, and welcome to the Big Chill Podcast. As always, I'm joined with Sam and Edward. Eddie, I got a uh, little question for you. Did you watch the Monday night game? Probably one of the best games of the year so far. I did, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was exciting. So that I have a few little small statistics from that game. So for those who didn't watch the game, it, uh, Ravens came back, beat the Browns in a pretty good back and forth at the very end. But it was a matchup of Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, two Heisman winners on Monday night. It's only ever happened one time before. Do you know when? I mean, no. <laughs> I can take <laughs> is it is it relatively That's a really recent? Tough question. <laughs> is it relatively recent history? No. Okay, Which makes it even no, tougher. I'm, yeah, I mean because if it's it was like 1965. I'm not gonna get it. Wow. Not even close. <laughs> I got you, though. I had you. <laughs> 1977, Roger Staubach and Jim Plunkett. Okay, I mean... That's pretty cool to think that's only the second time ever in Monday Night Football that two Heisman uh, Heisman winners had matched up against each other. I guess, but it's also... I guess it's, Q- it's, it's also QBs, though. So It's I, also I'm verging sure. on that moment when the statistic becomes so specific. That it not it, not particularly it you, sounds super super impressive, but not that impressive. Well, you got to figure what eight out of every ten Heisman winners are QBs. But did you say on a Monday? Well, it's happened a few times the Heisman's this year already because didn't um, I'm trying to think uh, Kyler Murray didn't he play? Did they play the Ravens or the Browns? They might have played one of them. I'll have to look into that. But the other fact from that game was that there was nine rushing TDs, which tied the record uh, for the most ever in NFL game, which is yeah, crazy, crazy considering it's like the end of rushing in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, except for the Ravens. But no, yeah, it was also how many times before has a Heisman Trophy winner shat themselves on Monday Night Football? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Uh Lamar Jackson left the game with cramp uh, and then was seen with cramps, not cramp. cramp. It's not like he had like a singular no, cramp. In English, English people say cramp. Really? Yeah. Do you get your hairs you, cut or your hair cut? No, but you're suffering from cramp. Cramps would be like if you were like pregnant, I would say <laughs> like the idea of your muscle is cramping. But it's the, like locked up. It's tensed up, right? You get, yeah. st- you can get like stomach cramps. You can get cramp in your leg. Like it's a pretty general term for like muscle tightening, I guess. Yeah. So we like would always I'm, say stomach cramps though. We, we would it'd always we be would plural stomach, in the States. To me, when you go plural, it's more likely to relate to like your stomach for a muscle. I'd always use it like singularly because you're suffering from cramp to a muscle, right? But there's millions of muscle cells in there. <laughs> Wow. Oh, God. I thought you were going to just oh, leave sorry. it at millions of muscles oh. for a second. <laughs> but the, anyway. There's so actually not been millions of muscle cells, only a few thousand. He had to leave the game with cramps. And he, um, <laughs> he was seen hobbling towards the dressing room in a way that made it look like he might also 
need to desperately go to the bathroom. Now, the only here's there's only two things that make me think that he was just cramping. One is that he was was out of the game for like 40 minutes. So unless he just had really, really, really severe diarrhea, that's a very long time to be be out. The second thing was he didn't he did seem surprised when in the in the post-game press conference people asked him about it. It seemed to like blow his mind that people even thought he was pooping himself. So his surprise, either he's a great actor or that was like a very genuine reaction of like, what? No, no, I was cramping. Well, and, and I think three, which is that he also just recovered from COVID and he's probably getting some lingering symptoms there. I mean, we saw Cam Newton, not that he's done much better, but he was really shitty those first few weeks, no pun intended, coming back from COVID. So there's, I mean, a good chance that he just says, you know, obviously they're always going to say they feel 100%, but he probably didn't feel 100%. You don't want to give that away. The other thing I, that was actually really neat. So Sam, I, I, I'm assuming you didn't watch. Well, but no, basically, Frank, no, no, before we move on to another topic though, the amazing thing that you've, it's a Browns Monday night football game, Frank one player may have had to go to the bathroom with severe diarrhea and you haven't managed to bring up the conspiracy theory that maybe I, OBJ was, was waiting there for I, I was going to say, was OBJ like nearby? He's like, I need the bathroom, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was going to let it go being the holiday season. I didn't want to, I didn't want oh, to so drop a deuce on everyone. You know, I didn't want to ruin the holiday <laughs> spirit. Used, you even used the Cam Newton shitty pun. Yeah, like, I mean, we've spent we spent multiple episodes of you reading through Instagram comment threads, and then yet somehow, finally, when there's actually a poop related brown story, it's about it's it's below you beneath you. That's pretty amazing. It was below me, like OBJ was below Lamar. Is that okay? okay. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> now we can move on. Okay. So, um, yeah, Sam, the, the thing that I thought was pretty funny was the Ravens were up two touchdowns in the third and I guess going into the fourth quarter and then Lamar Jackson went out and the Browns started coming back and then they had the Ravens had their backup Trace McSorley in and he wasn't doing that well and you could see it was going to a point where I think the Browns would have won and McSorley dropped back at like a third and two or something like that and gets demolished and gets hurt and then as soon as he got hurt everyone was basically saying, oh, there's no way Lamar's not coming back. And then they pan to the locker room and like out comes Lamar, like sprinting out of the locker room. It was like so right on cue. It was pretty funny. And then he came out and then dominated and then they ended up winning. So it was it was a good game. It was a good back and forth. And I have to say, I was pretty impressed with, with Baker Mayfield, especially that last drive. But the only thing that gets annoying now in the NFL is the whole concept of leaving too much time. Like when you score to go ahead, I mean, he, he left at most, I think it was what 50 seconds left on the clock and they had no timeouts, the Ravens. And basically I think everyone thought the same thing I did where it was like, ah, there's too much time. The Ravens are going to drive down the field and kick a field goal. But like, it's, it's, it's annoying that it's come to that point. The the Ravens are a unique situation though, right? Because they've got Justin Tucker. So you're talking about one of the few teams in the league with an extremely reliable 50 plus yard field goal kicker. So that changes, you know, the dynamic there in terms of whether or not it feels like there's too much time. It would have been very different had it been even roles reversed. You would have felt like the the Browns need an extra 10 yards 
it kind of changes the way you feel then about the time situation. The one thing I will say, it was a rare game where I think both teams walk away feeling better about themselves. Obviously oh, for, for sure. the Ravens, that's a good win for them in uh, on the back of a pretty disappointing season so far. And then similarly for the Browns, although they'll be pleased with their record and their performances, it's the first time where their offense has really looked explosive. And so the way you know people have doubted and been critical of them in a lot of these wins saying like, okay, they're winning like 12 to three in rainy, windy conditions, but you're not going to be able to beat the chiefs that way or beat you know, even the Steelers that way. And now they've shown at least that they could potentially hang with a team that's going to score 30, 40 points. Yeah. And, and I think also just being able to hang with the team that everyone considers a legitimate contender as well. You know what I mean? It's like now they feel like they're I, I, granted I, the Ravens, their record and some of their games don't look like maybe they're a potential yeah, Super Bowl champion, but, but most people, most people put them in that category still think they're capable of it. And for the Browns, I guess like stay in a game and potentially have beaten a team of that caliber this late in the season has to feel good for them to kind of show that they definitely belong. And I was impressed. I mean, I think they played really well. The only thing I will say, and we've talked about this before, that gets really annoying is watching how defensive ends and D-line get so gassed at the end of games. And it's kind of like inexplicable why they're so gassed. Miles Garrett on those last two drives the Ravens had was practically invisible. Like he was, it was like he wasn't even out there. And in fact, I'm pretty sure they pulled him halfway through the last series because he was going so slow. It was pathetic. Like those are the times when you need someone to step up. Like um, I'd expect a Nick Bosa to step up in that situation, but Miles Garrett did not step up in that situation. I'll give it, I'll give him a pass in a game where you're playing against Lamar Jackson. Just because there, the amount of effort and work you're having to put in is more than against a normal quarterback. Like if you're playing against Tom Brady, yeah, you shouldn't be cast at the end of the game. But when you are having to chase him around all over the field, I'm, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. But yeah, you're supposed to be one of the best in the game. You're supposed to be one of the yeah, best in the still, game. Still, I mean, you're going to do a lot of defensive freak, work. You know, like, come on. I Even expected freaks have more. to recharge. Speaking of freaks recharging, did we see that max contract for the Greek freak? <laughs> yeah, I think, again, another situation where everyone involved is a real winner. I think the NBA needed it because they needed as proof that their small market teams can actually have superstars stay there. And then for Giannis, I think it turns him... Like my fear with him was that he was going to abandon Milwaukee and go and join like another super team. And then he's just another dislikable NBA player who's just chasing rings. Whereas now you're going to really, really, really want him to succeed. Like if you're a neutral, you know, and so I think that's, that's a great win for the NBA. Yeah. So Sam, for context, he signed a five year, $228 million deal, but I completely agree. I think this makes him look so much better than almost every other NBA player stay, especially because he's staying six. in Milwaukee, you, you know, no offense to people in Milwaukee, but if you had to choose between Milwaukee or like Brooklyn, LA, Miami heat, you know, like, uh, see, he loves it. He's openly spoken about how much he loves living there, but then also, I don't know. I think to me, there's way more attraction in being kind of in a small market. Oh my God. 
So you'd rather live in Milwaukee than live in, in LA or Miami. Well, for starters, he only has to live there seven months of the year. So that's different. Also earning $230 million. Let's say factor in endorsements. So over that period of time, he's probably going to earn $500 million over the next five years, $500 million in Milwaukee. What's the equivalent in New York? 7 billion. I mean, like, it's, you, you could buy Milwaukee. So there's, yeah, and what would you do with it? Once you bought it, Eddie, <laughs> move it to Brooklyn, <laughs> <laughs> move it to California. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, you're only there seven months of the year, admittedly, including the winter, which would be a little bit of a downer. But yeah, I a little think bit. He, he seems like a really likable guy. I remember them telling that story about how he had a he had like a garage sale when he moved out of his first house to his second house and then just had this like publicly listed garage sale. And then the team some some guys like team officials were like you you can't do this and he was like why not i've got good stuff i want to sell it i want to like make some money off of it and people are going to pay more because i'm Giannis. so like people are going to overpay for my old stuff and they were like yeah you can't invite people to your house you can't just have a public a public yard sale where people just turn up to you to our like superstar nba players house to buy his stuff <laughs> yeah i always i never forget the story too where the after one of the playoff games which he won. I'm pretty sure he like single-handedly won the playoff game. He went to like a taco restaurant and then they refused to seat him. He was like, Hey, can I just sit down? I'm like, sorry, man, we don't have any space. And they just like sent him away. And then like, as he was leaving people that were in the restaurant were like, you just sent away literally the guy who won us the like playoff basketball game. What is wrong with you? And he didn't care. Like it didn't even bother him. It was so funny. You know, he seems like a pretty grounded guy, um, which is nice. But I mean, we'll have to try and get him on as a future guest of the podcast, right? Because Vasilis, who he of the famous uh, Paris sex parties, claims to have quite close ties with Giannis through there. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Vasilis played in like a relatively high level of basketball in Greece as a youngster. So he says he trained in the gym where Giannis and his brother is trained all the time. Now they're a few years younger than Vasilis, but he says he he was he saw Giannis and his brothers playing in the gym a few times a week so he claims to be able to get in touch with him so we'll see if he pulls some strings and we've got Giannis on the podcast we'll see then then I'll believe that Vasilis is also attending sex parties with Scarlett Johansson yeah if if Vasilis can can make this happen that it puts a lot of a lot of credentials into Vasilis hands about his other stories <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he has close ties with two professional athletes, so Sitsipas and Giannis. So we'll see which, which one comes on the podcast first. What does he, what does he know about Sitsipas? Um, he comes to eat at Vasilis' restaurant whenever he's in Paris. And in addition wow. to that, he's, he's good friends with one of Vasilis' cousins. Does he come to Paris for the sex parties as well? Maybe. <laughs> Well, we we'll don't know because he, we'll he's, he's, he's clearly never told Vasilis, though. <laughs> yeah, when he's on the podcast, we'll ask him. Yeah, we won't tell him about some of the questions we prepped. We'll just fire off some of the sex parts. It's going to be a real like, gotcha interview. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll be like, have you ever met Scarlett Johansson? Oh, you have. That's cool. Was it at a sex party? <laughs> 
I was um I was actually listening to an a relatively old it was like 18 month old podcast and talking about it had it was interviewing an ex Blackburn Rovers player David Dunn Sam for whom you know relatively famous uh, footballer oh yeah and they were skill mess up that was the um, yeah I mean that's where he's when he tried famous. to do the Cruyff term wasn't it just absolutely was it a not the Cruyff term, term the the Rabona that's it the Rabona for, and yeah playing for Birmingham yeah painfully he, failed yeah he um he was talking about when Henningberg, also a relatively famous footballer, was playing for Blackburn and they had their Christmas party and there was a comedian on stage and the comedian was trying to get people to come up to be like part of some performance and he wanted five men to come up and tried to get Henningberg to be one of them and Henningberg was like, no, I'm, I'm the manager, like I'm not doing this. And the guy didn't know who anyone, the comedian was unaware of who anyone at the club was. So he's like, no, no, you got to be fun. You got to come up and do it. And eventually the crowd kind of turned on Henningberg and forced him into doing it. And then the act that he made him do on stage was he gave each one of them stockings, black stockings, that they then pulled over their heads as if they were kind of like bank robbers. Then he gave them afros that they put on. Then he gave, okay. them, inflatable, then he gave them inflatable instruments. And then he put on Blame It on the Boogie and they had to dance like they were the Jackson 5 on stage <laughs> oh my god might be what? one of the whitest people as well what year is this 2012 now here's my question is that considered blackface or or stocking blackface what, what's the proper terminology there <laughs> i mean it's so inappropriate and i was listening to it stunned like i kn- i had heard aspects of this like henningberg issue at the christmas party at wow that is bad and the thing is everyone even when they were retelling this they were kind of like well Henningberg's no fun it's like or maybe he didn't want to participate in what was clearly a pretty racist joke what what were the crowd like with it were they a bit were they egging him on some way or were they like hang on a minute where's this going like did they turn based on on the way the story was told they were egging him on and uh he then mid, he like did it for a second, like not really acting, but like stood there and then supposedly whipped off the Afro and the stocking through it and, and left. Oh man. Wow. Oh. No. Was it in Blackburn, the Christmas party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one, it's, it wasn't the player's Christmas. <laughs> Sam, what are, Sam, what are you saying about Blackburn? What is that question <laughs> I'm just, implying? I'm curious no, no, about but, the people. But for context too, this. right? For context, it wasn't the player's Christmas party. So the players obviously have their own private Christmas party. This was the club's official Christmas party. So players were there, <laughs> staff, staff were there, but it was like anyone who worked for Blackburn Rovers Football Club was like at family too? Club. Yeah, yeah. So like... You know, people who work in the ticket office and the club shop, like all of those, they were all there. Oh, dear. That's bad. This actually brings me on a slight tangent. We were talking about things that didn't age well when we talked about the the Christmas classic, Love Actually. Michael Jackson, would he... Definitely didn't age well. <laughs> well, here's, here's my question. Would he survive today? Like, would he be no. able to get as famous as he did in today's time? I mean, does he still molest children? But yeah, so I, that's what I'm saying. Like, with all the social media and the constant, like, the paparazzi dialing it up probably a thousand fold since he was around. And 
all the constant media and 24 seven, almost like fan surveillance. Does he even make it or is he so exposed and ridiculed and like beaten down that he never gets to the level that he got? Here's my problem with Michael Jackson, right? Is that the big giveaway was Neverland. Like if you have ever looked at Neverland and not been in any way concerned or querying why it looks like it does, it doesn't need social media to do that. People back then should have realized what was happening in that yeah, but, weird but, but, but childlike ranch. But you don't branch. have... No, you're, you're right. But, but at the same time, you don't have things where like you could literally have people on TikTok all day talking about it and then that becomes viral. And then next thing you know, there's like investigations. I feel like in today's society, things can blow up in the matter of a day. I mean, two things, I guess. TikTok for Michael Jackson would have just been like supercharged Tinder. So he would have loved it. But <laughs> not, I'm sorry, saying he does the TikTok. <laughs> and, then, and then, second of all, everyone knew, right? Like, this is the crazy thing about the Michael Jackson thing is every once in a while, people have to pretend like they're really upset. And now it's the stage where the BBC doesn't play Michael Jackson music, right? Like, after that kind of documentary came out and stuff, everyone's now accepted. Oh no, it turns out he did do bad stuff, but they weren't revelations. Like everyone knew my entire life. I've known that Michael Jackson was supposedly molesting children. Yeah. But in today's climate, would he have been able to get away with it? Like, like how they just kind of turned an eye to it 20 years ago. I guess the key was the cult of personality he was able to establish before all of that came out. And if he was able to do that again, he'd be fine. I think. I guess the difference would be he'd probably be exposed before he got famous enough to survive it. But if he was able to get, become a global superstar, like if Taylor Swift is mol- out there molesting kids, she probably gets. She probably. <laughs> you, or actually, you heard it here Taylor, first, big Chileans. <laughs> actually, you know wow. who you know who a hundred percent could survive a scandal where they molest children, Beyonce. The beehive would protect Beyonce if if she was molesting children. That's a good. Hundred percent. I um <laughs> she's the queen bee. Oh, there's no honestly, people would justify it somehow. I promise you, people would justify it. Well, yeah, I mean Jay Z treated her so poorly. What did you expect? Uh, Jay Z probably takes the bullet. It's probably Jay Z who goes down, being like, "Jay Z made her do it." Just another example. I'm going to be careful here, but but uh, but yeah, Jay Z probably can survive it, but Beyonce survives it for sure, and probably writes a really powerful album all about child molestation afterwards, and people praise her for it. Wow, that would be. Would it be a subtle album though, or would it straight I mean, out be about Sam, child molestation? Think about it. Let's let's get this conspiracy theory going. You just said a second ago he had a ranch called Neverland, and people didn't see it. She wrote an album called Lemonade. Who sells lemonade? <laughs> little kill, little little children. I mean, she's just <laughs> she's she's putting the evidence right in front of us, and we're just missing it. There'll be this kind of like Da Vinci Code moment where you put all the pieces together and realize it's happened and you'll be yeah, so did, shocked. Didn't you ever see the song Single Ladies? The actual title is Single Parenthesis Aged Ladies. It was actually originally <laughs> Single Babies, but um, they, the, the producers asked for it to be changed. Sam won the battle of the jokes there, Frank. <laughs> it wasn't close. 
Yeah, but he ran off of mine. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, know. You, it's hard to, you gave me an inch around of yours. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Winning, I gave it to him. Speaking of winning battles and another celebrity uh, feud, we've, we've spoken about celebrity boxing fights uh, in recent weeks. Obviously, uh, you've got, I think it's Logan Paul. I always get the Paul brothers mixed up, so I'm never sure which one of them is trying to. I think it's start Logan. Of, yeah, Logan's the Floyd Mayweather fight. Okay, so yeah. then Jake Paul, who's trying to get the fight with Conor McGregor. Did you see the comments he made about Conor McGregor? No. So, so he offered Conor McGregor $50 million to fight him, said that he'd sent him the offer and also proof of funds. And then proceeded to call Conor McGregor's wife a four. Obviously, out of ten. Not I was going to say, is it, if it's out of five, like, is that credible? Are we good? It was out of seven and a half. Very odd scale he uses. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I'm going to say, in a way, good move because you feel almost like Conor McGregor has to fight him because he's just openly insulting his family in a kind of inappropriate way. But at the same time. Like I feel like it means that Conor McGregor can't fight him. Like you, you can't, you can't now think, oh, there's some idiot's going to go on the internet and say stupid things about me, and so I'm going to re- have to have a fight against him. I mean, so I just want to clarify. You think the right thing to do when you want something from someone is to just go and openly mock their family? You think that's the right way to go about it? Yeah, I think Conor McGregor <laughs> called called uh, Khabib's wife a said she looked like a towel so <laughs> there's there's history with mcgregor it's the way that he works i just think it's a it's a bad fight to pick right mcgregor just comes across as the person a little bit unhinged that if you start insulting things close to him he will actively try and end your life it just feels like the weirdest I wouldn't, move, rule, right? I wouldn't rule him out that he i wouldn't rule out if the story came out next week that conor mcgregor just turned up at 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 Jake Paul's house in LA and beat the living shit out of him, it wouldn't stun me. (laughs) Like, it wouldn't stun me. That would be, actually, I would gain a lot of respect from McGregor if that were the case. I would, I mean, it would cost him his career and probably every cent he has, but yeah. It it would be like a keep your money, keep your money, asshole, as he just beat him into oblivion. (laughs) Well, it would would almost be the reverse. It'd be like, you know, you're not going to pay me $50 million to kick the shit out of you. I'm going to pay you $50 million in lawsuits (laughs) after this to kick the shit out of you right now. The only thing that bothers me about that whole situation is it's basically we're doing exactly what he wants everyone to do is just make these crazy claims and and try and set up these ridiculous fights just to get people to talk about the paul brothers you know it's it's annoying because let's be serious conor mcgregor would destroy him in a in in mma yeah in in a fight in boxing probably but I think I think the, much, I mean, he, come on, Eddie, this is a, a well, Eddie, a top, you've gone toe to toe with well, Frank. I mean, Eddie's gone, Eddie thinks he can go toe to toe with the best. Let's ask the best, Eddie. True, you want my boxing <laughs> yeah. analysis? So, McGregor's performance analysis. again, McGregor's performance against Mayweather was, was reasonable. So, he's obviously, I mean, he doesn't really have a background in boxing though, to any significant level. 
um, the issue is going to be. But he's a top end fighter, though. Still, like but, he's right, but it's not his domain, and the issue is going to be size and weight. I mean, he's significantly smaller. But it's not Paul's domain. He's been boxing for several years on the side. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, I don't, I don't see a chance. It's a pretty significant size advantage. If you told me they were going to get in an octagon, then yeah, Conor McGregor absolutely. He's choking him out within thirty seconds. But in a boxing ring, I would expect Conor. Like, if we set odds, and maybe there are. You never know. Maybe they already have odds for this fight because they do do like speculative odds. But uh, I would make McGregor favorite, but I wouldn't make him super, super heavy favorite. So right so now, Conor McGregor. 50, right? So would you make him what? Like one to, one to 33, like that kind of it? Or like one to 10? Like what's the, what's the level of favoritism we're going I have I have the odds. So don't look. Did oh, you already look, Eddie? I haven't looked. Okay. What is it? Go ahead, take your guesses. I think like one to thirty-three, I'm going to go, or like one to forty, or something no, like that's that. Way too heavy. I'd make Conor McGregor one to four favorite. Yeah, so Eddie definitely looked at the odds. He's a one to look. four favorite. I didn't look. I didn't <laughs> look. <laughs> you look in like every hour at the odds of everything. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I do. You're right. I do check odds a lot, and I do have pretty good historical recall of boxing odds i i just think that yeah that just seemed about right so it's a big weekend for football all around you have a thursday night game two saturday games and then your sunday games and then a monday game so tons of nfl and then you also have conference championships for college football which most are pretty lopsided um but there is one good one in Notre Dame and Clemson. Um, so that will be an interesting game uh, with Trevor Lawrence back in this game when he wasn't there the first time when Notre Dame won. So pretty surprising the spread. Eddie, did you see the spread on that game? Um, I saw the money line. I saw that Clemson were heavy favorites. Yeah, they're like 11-point favorite. I mean, I guess it isn't surprising when you consider that Clemson without Trevor Lawrence took them to overtime and probably should have won the game in a way. Like the fact that Notre Dame got to overtime and then won it there was in the end kind of the upset. So I guess on that basis, it makes sense. But yeah, it wouldn't stun me if if in the very least it's closer. It's a single digit result. Yeah. So here's here's my question. And I always love, I feel like ever since they started doing the playoffs, there's no sport that debates rankings and like who's the best more than college football to the point where it's so annoying. But this is one for me. Now, obviously the top four are what make the playoffs. If Clemson go out and beat Notre Dame pretty handedly, does Notre Dame deserve a chance in the top four with a one loss beating Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, but losing to them later in the year, right before the playoffs? Or is it more of like, this was a pre-playoff game, you lost, so now you're out of the, the playoff race? It's a tough one. I think they'll be in no matter what. But... In a way, I think the idea should be if you lose to another playoff team, 
over the course of the season that should kind of rule you out unless the yeah. rest of the college football kind of landscape has underperformed. But in a, in a season when there are lots of undefeated teams or single loss teams, like when you have Cincinnati as an undefeated team who are currently totally outside of the playoff picture. Now, yeah. the issue is, right, I mean, college football, the thing that they do, they'll never change it because the endless debate is the only, it like drives interest in the sport. And the fact that the, the mandate of the committee is to pick who they think are the four best teams, not who are the four best, not, not the four best records, not any criteria that could really, they could pick anyone, right? Like they can pick any college and, and argue that we think this is one of the best four teams. Yep. And for that reason, I mean, look, if I get why people get upset then, like if you're a Cincinnati fan, you're, you're, you're going to be annoyed that they're going to miss out. There's been those like USF, didn't they win like 25 straight games or something crazy and never even got in like into the top four. Wait, 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 yeah. Wait, but wait, they, sorry, but they still, they still call themselves national champions, but I don't, I don't, I don't, sorry, college football, not for me. This is squid territory. So humor me. Um, yeah. Wait, a committee. Picks the teams. So to quickly, not to give you too much information, because I know that next week or we're going to do the squid is going to return to make bowl game predictions. But basically, obviously, college football, huge number of teams. They're all split into different conferences. They don't play each other. I mean, there's cross conference play, but you're never going to play. Obviously, it's impossible for you to play all the other teams, all to play all the other division one teams or anything. So there's going to have to be to decide who makes it to the playoffs or to who makes it into bowl games, you have to pick a committee who's then going to decide who should make it because you can't do it just based on record. And so there is a committee that decides the rankings after each week and then who picks the teams that go into the playoffs. And their instructions are in for this four-team playoff to pick who they think are the four best teams in the country. So they can ignore records, they can ignore performances, they can ignore whatever they want. It's just who they think fundamentally who they think like on their day, peak performance, best four teams in that way, they could produce potentially the best four, the kind of best playoff outcome. Uh, that imagine the bribery, to, right? No, <laughs> like, I imagine, like I guess bribery? the scenario. Well, if well you, I, I would say imagine it's, it's just to, I was gonna say to it's not, it, it's, it's not bribery, but there is a lot more money to be made with the big teams so it's not bribery in a sense, but they're definitely, I think there's a sway in what teams are picked because the bigger teams are going to bring in bigger money, bigger draws and stuff like that. So there is a little bit of that aspect, whether they want to say there is or not. The, the way to, I guess, kind of explain it the best, Sam, is imagine if the football league was divided into, they only played, each team only played, say, 12 matches, and it was divided all the full kind of range of English teams were divided so what 92 clubs were divided into you know nine divisions and they didn't really so most teams didn't play each other regional divisions and then at the end of the year you had to put some committee together who was then going to decide which four of these teams are going to play each other in a semi-final and a final and the tendency then would be no matter what happened so you could have a season where Blackburn beat Manchester City but then at the end of it they go but we all know Manchester City are better right like we're going to put Manchester city in the playoffs. Like we're not going to be stupid here. Like just because there was this one fluke game doesn't change the fact that 
this team is clearly the better team. And that's kind of the situation that this committee is put in. And do you, do you ignore what is patently obvious to anyone who watches the, the sport, which is like, it's clear that these big teams are going to be the best teams year in, year out. But obviously it annoys then smaller teams who can feel like they put a really good season together and it gets overlooked. Oh, Eddie, I was going to go, I thought you were going to go Champions League, I think is the better analogy. If you were to take Champions League, you have different, like completely different conferences that rarely ever overlap, just like you would, you know, like someone in the French top league playing someone in the premier, in the premier league. But then you also have the fact that out of all of those leagues, you have to choose just four teams as the best. So you have, you know, in a league where I'm trying to think of who's actually winning, who's winning this year in, in Italy, in this Syria. Uh, AC Milan at the moment. Yeah. So is, is, so is AC Milan the better team, even though Juventus is probably the better team, even though they're not the number one team at the time. So even that can kind of play into it a little bit, like how Eddie's saying, you know, they're yeah, trying I, to choose the best let's team. Use, let's, let's use France as a, as the clear example. Cause I know you're going to get some listener who argues that AC Milan are better than Juventus this year, but the time will yes, tell. Imagine if France had to nominate a single team to represent them in the Champions League. And at the moment, Lille are top of the table. Now, you'd have some people who would say, well, we send Lille because, say, this stayed true for the rest of the season. Lille have won the league. And then you have a bunch of other people go, yeah, Lille won, but we all know PSG are better, right? Yeah. And that's where the college football, how the college football system works. Why and then the other tough part promotion relegation then when they just have the worst teams in the lower in a lower league because promotion and top league promotion and relegation is un-american sam no well i, th- I th- it's different though because it's conferences and conferences don't want to they don't want to join like conf- they're i don't know they're very needy with like their teams you know they don't want to let up the teams that they have in their current conference and teams don't want to go to other conferences so that's the other hard part too is if you take it like champions league you have conferences that are super strong and then you have conferences that aren't as strong. So the, the team who wins, let's say, I, I don't know, like the, even right now, like the pack, the pack 12, even though they win, are they deserving to be one of the only four teams picked out of a dozen or so conferences? You know, it's, it's the same, like if you were to do champions, League, it'd be really tough to say, like, does a Spanish team get picked over an English team or, or an Italian team? Well, that's different because yeah. that goes down to coefficients, right? That's data over previous years' worth of good performance you can't, by any team. In but you can't do that in college because the turnover, you know, teams turn over so often in college. It's tough. It's not easy. I'll give it to them. It's not easy to do. The easier solution is to just expand the playoff a small amount. You don't have to go crazy uh, like, like in basketball. I think, they, I think even if you expand the playoffs, the, you're just pushing the problem okay, you're guaranteeing that you just get to pick Clemson and Ohio State and whatever every year in, year out, and it doesn't cause debate. But you will still have, like, say you made it six teams or eight teams to simplify it and not have buys, eight teams right now. So to Cincinnati, who's currently ranked nine, they miss out, but they're undefeated. Like, you're, you're going to have the same issue yeah. all the no, time. No, I agree. You're- you're, you're always going to have it. I mean, you even have it with college basketball. People argue who's the 64th and 65th best team, you know, but I think at the end of the day, you can at least say, listen, you did miss out on being the top eight, 
but the chances of you winning at the number seven or eight seed is pretty low to begin with anyway. So you have to feel more confident that if you pick the top six or eight, you're not missing the team that's actually the best team. If you're picking the Maybe. top four, there's there's a good chance that the fifth or sixth team is the best team in the nation. But if you're picking the top eight, it's pretty rare that the ninth or 10th best team is actually the number one. But if they're undefeated, how do you tell there's them? Not, there's, there's not nine undefeated teams usually. That's no, but like, there's how do two you undefeated tell, teams but, currently outside the top eight. Yeah, I know. How do you tell right. Cincinnati, like, so since so I'm guessing what there is here is there's like a, an inherent bias in the league. So one league is a lot better than another league. Yes. Yeah. And so Cincinnati's league is just worse, period. But that doesn't mean that Cincinnati are a bad team because their league's bad. It just means that they haven't had the exposure to the better sides, right? And that's the number not Cincinnati's said, problem. The number of times you said league is definitely going to trigger any college football fan out there. But, <laughs> but no, basically what you're saying there is right, Sam. And then people yeah. then think the strength of schedule, if you've come through, if you come through the SEC and lost once versus playing in a weaker conference and having gone undefeated, that your strength of schedule would mean that you're better off with the record of, you know, 11 and one versus 12 and 0. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess another way to do it would to really encourage more interconference play. So at least I think you that should, way you, how hard would it be to require that, Hey, if you want to be eligible for the playoffs, then you have to play, you have to have a scheduled game against a top 10, a team that was ranked in the top 10 the year before. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're not eligible. Yeah. At but most there, at least there you'd be answering some problems. But mostly every major conference would fill that criteria. So they would never have to play any of these smaller conferences still. Yeah, but the smaller conferences are never going to make it. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. They're never going to make it anyway. So, but I mean, if you like, you brought up the good example in, in UCF, right? I mean, the year they went undefeated, they then went to the, was it the Peach Bowl and beat Auburn, who was, I think, at the time ranked fifth or yeah. sixth. They were like one of the teams that was just out of it and they beat them pretty, pretty badly. So there's a chance that even though they were in a lesser division, they were undefeated and they may have been the best team, but because they were in a lesser division, they got, you know, pushed to the side. And I think more often than not, that's probably not the case that those teams like Cincinnati probably would get demolished by a team like Ohio state, but there is a small, small chance. So it's, it's tough. I don't know. But at it's the also end of the day, it's particularly tough too. Right. And, and particularly during kind of the COVID era, the impact on an in, of an injury. Like if Trevor Lawrence isn't say hypothetically, Trevor Lawrence was not going to return this year for Clemson. Well, then they're not a top four team. Like, and then the, also the game they lost was because he had COVID. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like you feel in this weird way that like, obviously with Trevor Lawrence playing, then yeah, they're one of the, they should be ranked probably either first, but if not second, but are you ranking them based on the idea that everyone's fit and healthy? Or are you ranking them on the idea of like what their current state of their squad is? That's another issue. Yeah. And then you have teams that went the other way. Like, I mean, not that Penn state would have been that great, but you know, their best player defensively, Mika Parsons, who's probably a top 15 pick decided to opt out when given the chance with all the COVID yeah, issues. Uh, if it hadn't been for that, Penn state would have been in the playoffs. Undefeated. <laughs> just that one. They were just uh, missing that one crucial piece in the puzzle. 
Yeah. But I guess that's a, probably enough college football coverage that we don't give away too much information to Sam ahead of Sam the Squid uh, crawling yeah. out of the water and and making his picks from that sandy beach that he lives on. And for our new listeners who don't know what the hell we're talking about, Sam the Squid is the alter ego of co-host Sam, who has no idea of what he's picking. Oh. Oh, and what a picks guy. Basically, who would have guessed? <laughs> who basically picks like the octopus that predicted the World Cup matches uh, Paul the way back when. Paul the 2010 octopus. World Cup. Two pretty good success so far. So Ran far, yeah. You've... Frank... Frank with NHL and um, you didn't yeah, beat did okay me with baseball. <laughs> you That's, is that your life? You, <laughs> you nearly, you nearly beat me. Uh, yeah, I think Eric <laughs> was the term we concluded yeah. with one minute for Frank. Yeah, and and you, you've had an NBA round where you got everything right, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is unbelievable. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, we'll see how you can do. We can see if you can translate that to. Uh, college football next week there's a ton of teams and so many i wouldn't know so um that'll be good actually it'll be really good it'll be really fun to see how well you do because i don't know how many bowl games are going to be but it'll be interesting but i guess then speaking of our our records and picking that gives me an opportunity to give you the update on how we did last week so uh a fairly decent week all around no catastrophic results uh, money line picks. I was eleven and five. Sam, you were nine and seven, and Frank, you were eight and eight. Shit. And and then against the spread, I was nine and seven. Sam, you were six and ten, and Frank, you were seven and nine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm up one on the spread and down one on the money line. Well, we'll have to hear. Yeah, yeah, that was the impact of this week. But next week, I'll come to you with the the full recount is on. It's taking longer than the presidential election to. to no, the re- there's there. You can't recount. There's no such thing as a recount. If we learned anything in this presidential election, recounts are bullshit. <laughs> but, uh, well, the results, the previous boo. results are getting certified in the states. Yes. So next week I'll give you the full updated table, but uh, one or two administrative errors have been caught so far. Uh, no accusations of fraud, simply good faith errors, but uh, uh, we'll see if those shake up the standings in any way. Yeah, there's no coincidence that the only person who doesn't have access to the spreadsheet is the one who's in last, right? I mean, you could have access. Right, yeah, uh-huh. And also you're going down that rabbit hole of like the amount of collaboration that Eddie and I would have to do. Like, I'll have the terrible week this week kind of thing is, is it's crazy, also, it's too oh, much effort. Oh, you mean, you, you mean kind of like winning, losing the presidential election, but winning the, the races in <laughs> Congress? Also, Frank, it would be entirely reliant on you being unable to remember how you've done. This is the thing. It's it's like, and which is two, there's two issues with that. Not only could you have access to this spreadsheet if you wanted to, not only could you just remember roughly what your record is week in, week out and who you picked on a weekly basis, but also we release a podcast where we, you publicly state your picks. All of those have remained up. You could go back and figure it out yourself if you were really, really dedicated. <laughs> like we would be relying on, there would be great collusion on our end and tremendous incompetence on yours. 
incompetence in trusting my friends and fellow co-hosts that they're accurately recording results. Mistake number one. But yeah, Sam, do you want to see how then see if see if Frank can have another good week then, I guess, because he's probably not got one wrong so far. But fortunately, we've been able to manipulate results. Let's see if he has another perfect week this time around. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, we're at well, week 15 and 17, so it's all getting close to that playoff time, isn't it? <sighs> well, here we are. So I guess we'll kick things off with the Chargers at, at the Raiders. And the Raiders are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know who wants to go first. I feel like the spread should be higher. Like, I know we spent the early part of the season saying how the Raiders were sort of not respected enough in the spreads. And they justified that for a long time when they were good. The wheels seem to have come off the Raiders season and only slightly papered over by the fact that they had that last second victory against the Jets because otherwise their season would already be over. But the Chargers are just terrible. Like I don't, I don't see what the redeeming feature of the Chargers is at the moment. So I'm taking the Raiders to win and cover the spread. Yeah, I think at the moment the the Chargers are just going through the motions right for the end of their season, and uh, the you know the Raiders still have something to play off. They're still very much in playoff contention, and yeah, I agree. I mean, when you look at it, the Chargers are giving away about twenty nine a game at the moment, and I, I just think for what it's worth, yeah, the Raiders have gone downhill, but I think the spread is a bit too kind for the Chargers. Um, so yeah, I'm taking the Raiders and the um, the points as well. Yeah, so the Raiders have a 20% chance still to make the playoffs. I've got a lot of the percentages as we go through the teams. Um, So, yeah, they're definitely still in contention, albeit a little far out, but still there. The issue, I think, of why the spread is closer than what it should potentially be is, you know, the last four games, the Raiders have let up 35, 43, 28 to the Jets, and 44. That's a shit ton of points. and this could be a chance for Herbert to kind of bounce back a little bit. He's had two tough weeks. I'm going to go Chargers here. I'm going to go Chargers to win and Chargers to cover. Hey, Sam, what do you think the odds are that Frank just does the thing he's fundamentally done all year and picks the picks Herbert, the Lions, and the Texans? Oh, and let's just throw the Giants in there, too. I don't usually pick the Giants. I, Eddie, I honestly um, thought you were going to against the spread. Oh, well, they're good against the spread. They are good against the spread, though. I mean, uh, well, I thought time will tell, Eddie, won't it? I thought you were going to go with the two, the swing, where it's like, oh, if Sam and Eddie go one way, I'll go the other to try and get the two point gain on them. Um, I thought that was going to be the flavor of the week. So far, that that strategy has not been working for him. Time to rethink that one. <laughs> yeah, true. The Americans in third place after all, right? So, <laughs> all right. Next up, you got the high flying Bills at the Broncos, and the Bills are six point favorites. Yeah, Drew Locke coming off of the most impressive quarterback performance of the year. That is sure to please Frank, who is a Drew Locke denier. But this seems like a really good matchup for the Bills. Uh, Now, whether or not their defense maintains the level of play that it had last week, I don't think it even really needs to in this game. 
just because of how bad the Broncos are defensively. They're not good at stopping the run. They've allowed the fifth most rushing yards in the league, an average of 131 yards per game. But I think more importantly, the fact is they're now missing their four top cornerbacks due to injury and suspension. So it's hard to see if the Bills turn up here. It's just hard to see how the Broncos are going to be able to get defensive stops. So I'm going to take the Bills to win and cover the spread. Yeah, I um, I agree with you. Like, just look at the way the Bills are at the moment. Like, Allen's had 34 touchdowns this season, um, but also the Bills in the last uh, five games have gone ele- have got 11 turnovers. So their defense is turning up kind of big time at the moment. And whatever Locke did last time was great, but it's it's still the Broncos against what is a really really good Bills team at the moment. So yeah, I'm with Eddie. I'm taking the Bills on the points. Eddie mentioned injuries, but he forgot to mention one very important injury. Brandon McManus is out for the Broncos. So on a team that has the worst QB in the NFL, needs to rely on a really good kicker. And now their really good kicker is out. They're going to definitely lose some points there. And this game's just going to get out of control, I think, by the third quarter. I'll take the Bills in a big win here. So Drew Locke is the worst QB in the NFL. Still the worst QB. Eddie, even a blind squirrel can find a nut every once in a while. Okay. Starting, <laughs> but are we gonna are you gonna clarify here he's the worst starting QB? No, he's, he's the, the worst he's QB? he's the worst QB, and that's including if a fan is in a stadium and they played high school <laughs> junior varsity QB one time, that person is still better than Drew Locke. Except we kind of saw what that looked like for the Broncos a few weeks ago when it was not pretty. <laughs> In the long term, I would have taken that guy over Drew Locke. <laughs> and that's how bad Drew Locke is, is. I can't remember his name. It's just that guy. <laughs> all right. So bills and points all round. So next up is the uh, Panthers at the Packers. And the Packers are eight and a half point favorites. I mean, for this one, it feels... You know, not a little bit simple, but you just look at the way Rodgers is playing at the moment. Um, he's, he's just absolutely flying at the moment. I think it's um, 39, I think it's 39 touchdowns to four interceptions at the moment. They score just upwards of like 31 points a game. Look at the Panthers. They've lost, I think they're on, like, apart from the one win uh, recently, they've lost like seven of the last eight. But also the interesting one was they've, the defense has given away 23 passing touchdowns this season. And then when you're looking at a QB that's throwing 39 in that way, yeah, for me, it's um, a bit of a no-brainer. Like, there's a lot of big spreads this week, um, but the eight and a half for this one feels like a, a one of the better ones. So, um, yeah, I'm taking the Packers and the points here. Yeah, I'm, I'm also with Sam on this one as well. So you have the 27th ranked pass defense in the Panthers going against Aaron Rodgers. It has the slight potential for a trap game. Uh, but the thing I think that will stop that from happening is we've talked for you know the whole season now at the type of person Aaron Rodgers is, and I think him winning an MVP is something he really wants. And he might say it's all about the team, but I think he wants some of that respect of being you know one of the best QBs ever. And obviously, racking up MVPs is one of the ways to prove you're one of the best ever. So he's in a race right now with Mahomes. They're pretty much neck and neck right now. So I think he's going to come out flying against a team he knows he can 
toss the ball around. So I can see him lighting up the score to kind of pad the stats a little bit. Yeah, I think you both kind of covered most of it here. I think the fairly straightforward one here, and I'm going to take the Packers to win and cover the spread. Yeah, minus eight. That sounds like a Rodgers rate to me. Oh, eight and a half. I don't know if that changes your mind, Frank. Uh, eight and a half. Still, still a Rodgers rate. <laughs> All right. Next up, you've got the uh, Bears at the Vikings. Um, are we are we all on the Trubisky bandwagon now? Is this is this a change Bears team? Every blind squirrel can find a nut once in a while. <laughs> Am I going to hear that like 13 more times now? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of the rare times that you've got a guy talking about nuts and you're not getting excited, Sam. <laughs> so both still have about 20% chance for a playoff spot. That's not exact, but like around 20%. So they're both still in the playoff hunt. But for some reason... At least to me, it feels like the Vikings are a much better playoff team if either were to make the playoffs than the Bears. I'll stick with the Vikings. Um, they did win against Chicago earlier this year, 19-3. to uh, But even now, you have Dalvin Cooks running a little better, Justin Jefferson stepping up as a, as a primetime receiver. So I think, I think they're going to win this pretty handedly. I have like a pretty big, big chill announcement to make here, and that is... I'm going to be abandoning the Vikings longship this week. The Drew, the Drew, the Kirk Cousins <laughs> IV drip is well and truly dry. And I am going to be picking the Bears to win this one. And I'm taking the points with them. I am fully on the Mitch Trubisky bandwagon. It's, it's an interesting one, right? Because I, I look at the last two games and it was just completely contrasting. Like no one expected Trubisky to come out like the way they did. So do you make of that as they've somehow clicked, even though they lost the previous six, but then you look at cousins where the Vikings were coming off the back of a good run. And then what was he got sacked like six times in that game. And now I've got no idea about the Vikings three point spread. I think, um, what was it? The Cardinals Giants last week, where it's like one of those games where like, even though the Giants have been performing well, the Cardinals are just a better team at the spread they were given. And honestly, the only reason I'm going to go with the Vikings here is I just feel like they're the better team and the points being given is pretty good. I think the Bears have uh, the Bears have more of ability to put up very little, whereas I, I think the Vikings will do much better. So I'm going to go with the Vikings and the cover. The Vikings, the, undoubtedly, the Vikings are undoubtedly the better team. That's not up for debate. But the Vikings have been the better team than most of the teams they've played all year round. And the Vikings have a 20% chance of making the playoffs. So who the better team is on paper going onto the field this weekend is not the question. The real thing to ask yourselves, Kirk Cousins in a divisional game that basically decides the future of their playoff hopes that's when Kirk Cousins lets you down. I mean, the other issue too is the Vikings have said that they're sticking with Dan Bailey, who potentially could have cost them that win against the Bucks. I mean, they still lost by twelve, but it makes it a much different game. Yeah, I think that's could could he make field? I think goals? that's unfair on the Bucks and on Dan Bailey. But yeah, all right, Frank, how many points do you want the Lions to have to take the Lions against the Titans? Minus five. <laughs> 
<laughs> really tease this line. <laughs> you can keep your points. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I don't know if Stafford's playing or not. It's still questionable. Does it matter? Yes, because did you see when Stafford went out last game and it put Chase Daniel in and he caught the ball in the shotgun, stood there for five seconds, and then got sacked by seven players? Yeah, but which <laughs> was... is better, that or Matthew Stafford throwing an interception? I'd rather take the interception. Maybe they can fumble on the tackle and pick it up and run oh, it for a touchdown. Wow. wow, you've definitely gone to the Matt Patricia School of Coaching. No, there's, there's no way I take the Lions here. Uh, you have... Derek Henry, who's just been on an absolute roll lately, and he's playing the 29th ranked run defense. So it's, I can't see it being close. And if Chase Daniel gets put in there, whatever the spread is now might go to double digits. So you might even get value if you can take it now. I hate to break it to you. I I haven't actually told you the double digits, but it is 11. Yeah. Oh, then then Stafford must not be playing because yesterday it was eight. I guess. So it switched or from 8 to 11. Realize, people just stop listening to you and they realize the Lions are atrocious. Like one of two things could happen there. 11? Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> I want to watch you walk this all back now. I mean, I will take I will take the Titans to win, but 11 is a lot of points. Do it. Do you it. know you need to do, do it. it. Do it. <laughs> and think, I'm sure that both Sam and I will take the Titans minus 11. So you have the added bonus of an opportunity to get one back on both of us. Yeah. All right. Give me the lions plus 11. They'll keep it close. Wait, Titans to win, but lions plus 11, or you want to go lions win. You want to really get back on that money line. (laughs) Watch. You want me to swing this? Hey, they played a great game against the bears and then they brought the Packers to the last drive, you know, only lost by a touchdown and had a chance to win to at least tie that game before Chase Daniel got his ass kicked in the fourth and goal. So if they can keep it close against the Packers, then they can definitely keep it close against the Titans. There you go. Walk it back. So I'll be quick. Titans are the way better team. The Lions, I think they're all probably planning their vacations and the Titans are going to win and cover the 11 points. I'd probably take the Titans minus 15. Yeah. Even with Matthew Stafford. I don't, I don't know about that, but I mean, there's only one, there's only one name, right? It's Derek Henry is playing out of his skin at the moment. I think it was another like 200 yard game against uh, the Jags as well. And you just can't stop him at the moment. So why do I think the lions will? So yeah, I'm taking Titans and the points as well. So uh, next up is, Hold on, Sam. Here's a question for you, Frank. Potentially, have we seen Matthew Stafford's last performance in a Detroit Lions uniform? Maybe. I don't know, though, because they're they're five and eight. They could probably win one more with six wins. They're not going to get a great draft pick to get someone to replace them unless they go with a veteran. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe they get Carson Wentz. Uh, Texans at the Colts, and the Colts are seven and a half point favorites. I uh, mean, you ruined it, Fran- Sam. You should ask Frank again. How many points does he need to take the Texans? Uh, that's true, actually. Damn. 
I to mean, be completely honest, I really wasn't listening at that one second. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, sure. I mean, let's test it then, Frank. Yeah. How, how many points do you need to take the Texans? Seven and a half. Eight. I need to go <laughs> over a touchdown. Okay. Well, lucky for you then the spreads, as Sam said a couple minutes ago, is seven and a half. I love oh. how he tried to like. From the 90s called Mystic Meg. I like how he tried to do this thing like, I'd have to go over a touchdown. Have to. <laughs> like, it's yeah, I think off. they keep it within oh. a one score. So you're taking the Texans. So you're taking the Texans then? No. <laughs> Wait, what? I know, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Somehow you've turned this situation. <laughs> no, I'll take the Texans. I'll take Indy to win. But I'll stick with my guns and take if it's really seven and a half, I'll take the Texans to keep it within a score. What is it? A potato gun? Like what kind of guns are these? I mean, I, I don't know what you think, Eddie, I guess, but you can look at it both ways with that Bears uh well, the Texans lost to the Bears, right? Are they so bad that Trubisky can have that kind of game? But also um, I look at it the other way, right? Um, I think I saw the stat that um, Houston are giving up 28 points a game and they're giving up an average QB rating of 108. And Philip Rivers, over the last two games... You're, sorry, Sam, you're underselling it. They're giving up an average QB rating of 109.6. Okay, sorry. But yeah, it's just... You look at the Colts and the last two games, they're still battling the Titans for the AFC South, but also... They've scored 70 in the last two. And that, I, I think this will be a, a stroll for the Colts. Although they're a little bit Jekyll and Hyde sometimes. I just think the way the Texans allow QBs to do damage against them, but simultaneously the way Colts are scoring at the moment, yeah, I'm taking the Colts and to cover the seven and a half. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. I think the fact now for the Colts that Jonathan Taylor has has kind of evolved into a real force in their offense that seems to have solved a lot of their problems probably takes a little bit of the pressure off philip rivers as well so i think this should be relatively comfortable for them i think the texans are absolutely awful uh absolutely awful but a week ago when they played the colts they likely could have beaten them had they not fumbled on the two-yard line going in i mean you just love to do this you like hypotheticals like if they hadn't done this and hadn't done that they would have won (laughs) Well, I mean, okay, either way, either way, they still lost by six, so they would cover. Okay, well, congratulations, Texans. You didn't lose by that much. But they, they, I mean, look, they're terrible. Real question is, is Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson. Sucks. <laughs> or Drew Locke, who's the better quarterback? Get out of here. That's not, that's such an insult to our podcast, Eddie, that you'd ask such a blasphemous question. Don't don't bring me into this. <laughs> if if the Texans called up the Broncos tomorrow and they said we want to trade you Deshaun Watson for Drew Luck, who says no faster? Deshaun Watson because he doesn't want to go to the Broncos. <laughs> I guess it's more of like the the Michael Scott from The Office, where he's like, "No, no!" It's one of those. <laughs> but yeah, just to simplify this, I'm taking the Colts and the Colts to cover the spread, and the Texans are terrible. 
nice. I've 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 got that in the uh, note as well, by the way, <laughs> just in case it hadn't been known beforehand. I'm actually interested at the end of the season, by the way, to see who we backed more in matchups and who we took with the spread and things like that. That'll be an interesting thing. Yeah, going as well. Going into the playoffs, I'll break down that data. And then Frank can accuse me of making it up. Yeah, because then we'll know truly how much Frank believes in these Texans and these Lions. I think it's going to be unbelievable to see the number of times he picked the Texans in the Lions. And then the great thing is, like, Frank's into science. He's a data man. He's going to realize why he's third. (laughs) I just think it's going to be amazing that it's going to be a high percentage of Frank picking the Lions, the Texans, and the Giants in all likelihood, three teams that will have missed the playoffs. <laughs> it will just be, yeah, that, that made sense. <laughs> all right. Um, actually, I think I think the next one actually worked for Frank, uh, either last week or the week before. So it's the Jags at the Ravens. And um, <laughs> you know what, Frank, let's do it again. How many points do you need for the Jaguars at the Ravens? Yeah, I think I need a big one here. I, I would... I think the Ravens are coming off that. Like Eddie said, they have to feel good after that win. And now they need to start just cruising at the end here to get a good push into the playoffs if they can make the playoffs. So it would have to be like 17. Huh? So the, giving you, you get, 30. how many are you giving me? 13. Yeah. It's actually a decent amount because so pretty neat statistic the ravens have won six games by more than 14 points that leads the afc and the jaguar the jaguars have lost five games by 14 or more so i'll stick with that and say the ravens um the only worry i have is Minshew magics coming back and you never know with the guy who carries a crown royal bottle around in jean short shorts Never know. You don't bet against that guy. But I will. But I will. (laughs) Uh, The real question here is, and we won't know this obviously until the game, but how many minutes or quarters will Lamar Jackson spend shitting himself in the in the in the locker room? I mean, that's gonna that could significantly shift this line. But no, this seems like a fairly straightforward one for the Ravens. So I'm gonna take them to win and to cover the spread and then fully expect that next week we get into the full swing Ravens being loved by the media again and being discussed as a real Super Bowl contender. And even people spinning it, have they timed this just right? Like, are the Ravens the team peaking at the right time to win the Super Bowl? Like, that's the conversation we're about to get. And is Lamar Jackson an elite passing QB? Oh, God, not that shit again. (laughs) I I wonder in NFL, because I know it happens in football, so you guys might be able to add this one as well, but when you have those kind of incredible momentum shifting, has everything kind of games in it, does the fallout happen much in, you know, is it kind of the follow-up games where it just goes the complete opposite way because it was so draining or so much kind of passion and emotion went into it? Like, I'm curious because I know it happens a lot in Europe when you have like a Champions League epic night and then they have a routine game in the Premier League and, you know, mess it up, I guess. But I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm sure Bill Barnwell has some crazy statistic on that because... He Except he wouldn't, right? Because he doesn't believe in momentum, so... 
but he would have a statistic to prove against that. Yeah. (laughs) I think not as much, but then usually probably helped. I think the downside with the champions league, right. Is that you maybe play on a Wednesday and then a Saturday. So it's a short turnaround. Okay. Admittedly the Ravens played on Monday night. So it's, it's a, it's a shorter week, but still there's more time. The other thing working in their favor is you, you could make the argument. This is the kind of a trap game in the sense that the, Ravens will be just already penciling in a W and looking ahead to another game. The thing against that is their remaining games are the Giants and the Bengals. So who are they potentially looking ahead to? Bengals, obviously, but yeah, what's your next question? (laughs) I mean, like the playoffs? (laughs) (laughs) This is a... They've got a dream end of schedule. Yeah. Like I, I was curious about it. I don't think it really affects because I don't really need to talk about the Ravens when you look at the Jags. Like they're in the bottom five for both scoring and points allowed. And like the way the Ravens have played, you know, turn the corner against Cowboys, play so well against the Browns. Like I can only see this being a bit of a blowout. So yeah, I'm taking the Ravens into cover as well. But I was kind of curious because I know you have these epic games in NFL, but you rarely see those kind of everything style games like the Monday night one or the highlights I saw anyway, but um, I was just kind of curious on how that affects the team. But all right, next up um, Patriots and the Dolphins. And um, I think we kind of discussed this on the last podcast as well about, you know, whether there's that shot that if the Patriots win this one, do they kind of go ahead of the Dolphins in terms of like playoff hopes? Um, the Dolphins are one and a half point favorites. So this is a bit of a toss up. So uh, what do you guys think? I already penciled in my prediction last time. And I, I want to take the Patriots here. I just I just really go for that Belichick against a rookie QB. And I just think the Patriots are building up a, you know, that 45 nil win was a little odd with like special teams. But I just think the Patriots are building something here. They may still miss out. Don't get me wrong. But I just think they're doing something. And I, I like that. I just like the way that they destroyed a rookie QB previously. And I think they'll do something similar, but won't destroy. But yeah, I'll take the Patriots and who um, take the points. Sam, I've got a great stat for you because I knew you were going to bring that up because you had mentioned it last week. Belichick has won 11 consecutive games against rookie QBs. And the last three games are against first round quarterbacks. They've beat them 118 to 17. So over a hundred points in three games difference. Wow. Yeah. And this game really matters, right? I mean, this is, this is everything for the Patriots. I, I guess and the Dolphins, because they know if they lose, they're kind of staring yeah. at that reversal with the Patriots, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, they're both, it's a both must win. The Patriots, if they lose, they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. But if the Dolphins lose, then there's a good chance that they could also be out. I would normally, I think, be very much with the Dolphins because their defense looks very good and they're very turnover heavy. And you have a Patriots team who can't really score and their offense isn't great. So even if Belichick has this scheme to stop Tua and he stops them to 17 points. I think they could still win with 17 points. No problem because the Patriots might score three. The only issue I have is you have Devonte Parker and Mike Gusecki both out for the dolphins and especially Gusecki. He's been 
amazing for the Dolphins this year in tight situations when they need a clutch catch, a clutch touchdown. He's been stepping up like crazy. That really, really worries me. But I think I'm still going to go with the Dolphins simply for the fact that I think the Dolphins defense against a very poor Patriots offense, even if the Dolphins can only put up 14 points, I think they can still win. Yeah, I'm really torn on this one. The Dolphins are the better team, but then it does come back to this. And not to, not a knock on Flores because he's a very good head coach, but it does come back to just like Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback in a must-win game. Like there's a lot of reasons here to maybe want to pick him. And for that reason, I'm going to take the Patriots to win. That sounded like a game time decision there. It kind of was. I think it's a complete toss up. I mean, as indicated in a way by the spread, right? But I I think this is a complete toss up. And and you could, it's another one of those games where you could tell me any outcome on, like, I could not watch this game. And Monday, you could tell me Dolphins won by 30, Patriots won by 30. I could absolutely believe either scenario. So I don't feel confident at all. That being said, the Patriots did run the ball pretty effectively against the Dolphins in their previous matchup. They they rushed the ball for 217 yards. So as good as this Dolphins defense is, it does seem like the Patriots will at least be able to move the ball on them reasonably effectively. So that's why I'm going to take the Patriots. All right. Uh, next up is uh, the Seahawks at Washington football team. And the football team are... <laughs> Five point it's, underdogs. You're such an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it actually was quite difficult to do. <laughs> like, I don't understand how that can become a habit for anyone. But yeah, um, Seattle are five point favorites. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy to start here. I actually think this is a good matchup for Washington. I think one of the best things about them at the moment is their defensive line. They really get to teams. And Wilson's been sacked 40 times this season. I think... They're on a good momentum at the moment, Washington. They've won four. They had a good win against the Niners. They had a really good win against the Steelers, um, even though the Steelers didn't too, didn't do too much. But I don't know. I just think I just think Seattle have it in them to have some bad games. I'm gonna just ignore how good the offense looked against the Jets uh, in the blowout win. But I don't know. I, I just think Washington at home. I think is a good matchup with pass defense and. I'm going to take Washington and with the five. I mean, the real question here is it looks as if Alex Smith is going to miss this game. And to me, that's the absolute, I would have taken the taken Seattle, even he still may play, but even if you told me he absolutely was going to play, I would still pick Seattle. But to me, that just gives me total confidence in the fact that this is a basically a mismatch. So I'm going to take Seattle to win and cover the spread. So a, a pretty neat, little statistic here is Washington actually has a better chance to win their division at 74% than the Seahawks do at 36, but the Seahawks have a 99% chance to make it to the playoffs. So they, they do hold the cards there. I agree. Washington without Alex Smith is trouble. Washington hasn't lost by more than three points since week five. That's a pretty crazy statistic, but I think Seattle is, they had a little bump in the middle of that season, and I think they're starting to come back from that now. So I expect another 
big win by them? Um, 49ers at the Cowboys, and the 49ers are three-point favorites over the U-Niners Nation. Uh, a little bit torn on this one, because in a way, based on the performance against Washington last week, I don't know why the Niners would be favorites against the Cowboys. Um, and I'm actually I'm going to pick the Cowboys. And that's a bad signing because every time I've picked the Cowboys this year, they have been absolutely flat and terrible. So this is one of those where it's kind of a lose-lose situation for me, but I'm just going to assume that I think kind of spoke about some other teams who are mentally checked out and starting to book their vacations. I think the Niners are now firmly in that category. So as motivated and as well coached as they have been, for games this year and that has carried them to a few unlikely victories. I think that you're going to stop seeing that be the case. So taking the Cowboys. Eddie, who has a better shot to make the playoffs from a percentage standpoint? Um, I would assume the Cowboys. Nope. The Niners have a 9% chance. The Cowboys have a 1% chance. <laughs> the Cowboys basically have to win out because of all the tiebreakers and then all the other teams basically have to lose well that's in the NFC East. <laughs> I would say that's a more than that happens more than 1% of the time. I mean, that was a terrible episode of Niners nation as well. The crowd is furious. <laughs> Sometimes you have to hit them with some, you know, reality bullets. That's uh is that why they call them at the, the riots across America? Yes. <laughs> Have some of these reality bullets. I can exactly. imagine them being like branded and packaged up like that. <laughs> There's a bunch of snowflakes in the Niners Nation, and we had to, there had to be a call this week. So, yeah, I'm hitting them with the tr- some hard truths, and then we'll move on. We'll be better. The, we'll do better the next truth week. Cannon. Yeah, the truth cannon firing out some reality bullets at the exactly. Niners Nation. I prefer to call it the truth nuke. But yes, <laughs> truth, Newcomb, like it. Uh, Frank, what do you think of the uh, Niners Cowboys game? I'm so torn because I think the Cowboys are trash, but I can't pick Mullins. I watched him last week, and it was it's just awful. He's gross. He could be one of the. You know like what? The, you know, you know what? You asked me. It. You asked me if Drew Locke is the worst QB in the NFL. He might have a battle on his hands with Mullins. Just to be clear, the way you're describing it, it doesn't even sound like you watched their game. You're like, I watched him last week, and he's gross. <laughs> he's completely <laughs> unrelated to his football performance. <laughs> his football performance is equally as gross as he is. It's tough. I mean, unless they're playing the Rams, the Niners seem to just get blown out of games. So on that fact alone, I'm going to have to go with the Cowboys. I think right. Dalton's better than Mullins, so I'll stick with that. I think um, this was one of those games where I wrote down, I'll wait to see how the how I pick other underdogs against the spread as well. And just to, it's one of those where I was like, do I balance out where I back favorites to cover the spread? And honestly, this was one of them. I was like, I've seemed to pick quite a few uh, favorites to cover the spread. So for that reason and that reason alone, I'll, I'll take the Cowboys and cover. Like, I don't really have any other reason, to be honest. Um, next up is the Bucks at the Falcons, and the Bucks are six point favorites. 
this is such a one to be careful about because somehow Matt Ryan managed to lose that game for the Falcons last week in unbelievable circumstances. I mean, it was kind of just crazy to throw it away twice effectively at the end of the game, but it would be very typical of the Falcons now to bounce back and get this kind of unexpected victory, high profile game against Tom Brady. But I just think that the Bucks defense is just going to be too strong. So I'm going to take the Bucks to win and to cover the spread. Yeah, I don't have much to say on this. Eddie put it perfectly. You never know what the Falcons that might come out and play well. I think Julio Jones is out and Calvin Ridley is still injured but going to play. So that might play a little role, but I'll have to, I ha, I think you have to go Bucks here. And if you lose, then you just got caught by a fluke Falcons performance. Here's the thing, right? Bruce Arians, zero percent chance he's the Bucks coach next year. I thought you were gonna say Bruce Arians percentage chance he chokes out Tom Brady during the <laughs> regular season or playoffs. <laughs> oh, so you think Bruce Arians versus Tom Brady in a fight? Your money is on Bruce Arians. I don't know. That TB12 diet it makes you yeah, pretty weak. <laughs> I don't know. He's supple though, right? He, he'd just like slither out of a chokehold. I think I think for me, I was, I was looking at the Falcons and since they fired um, Quinn, they're four and four. I mean, they're they're doing something. Uh, they keep. They're being competitive. They're being. <laughs> they're being second. more competitive. Right? <laughs> they're doing something well. Yeah, they're doing something like that. They're, they're winning games, and it was something that they were just. I mean, they're winning fifty percent of their games. Throw away. Yeah, and I just think. Which I would of, imagine. I know you said hold about on, Ryan's Sam, famous Sam, collapse, Sam. but hold on. Their record, like post Super Bowl with Quinn, I think was around five hundred. Right, it was like just under, and then now their record post Quinn is exactly five hundred. So they're doing exactly what they were doing before. I just feel like they're doing it a little bit differently and playing better. <laughs> I just feel like they are. I, I, okay, I'm, I'm going back to this point where it's like the Falcons are inconsistent. The Bucks are also really inconsistent as well. Yes, the Bucks are a better team, but I don't know. I, I, again, this is just one of those games where I think maybe the Bucks will win, but I think um, I think it'll be kept close. So I'm, I'm taking the Bucks to win, but I'm going to take the Falcons to keep it close within the six. All I can say, Sam, is I hope in my next performance review that I have you there to defend me. Where they're like, a year ago, Edward, you were making these mistakes and you're making exactly the same mistakes 12 months later. And you'll be like, you're right, he's making the same mistakes, but he's making them differently. So let's look on the positives here. As long as you're learning, as long as you're getting better, even if you're still making those mistakes, if you're making them differently, that's still a new challenge. So yes, I will absolutely defend you. Great. I'll call uh, you. Hopefully, then. hopefully you don't need to be defended. <laughs> I just hope that you're doing your job. Well, you're never perfect, right? So. <laughs> All right. Biggest spread of the season is the next one. So uh, Jets are the Rams. Uh, Frank, Eddie, have you seen the spread? Um, I have. Frank, you seen it? Okay. So we're looking at 17 and a half point favorites at the Rams. And I, I think I'm certain that's the biggest spread of the season. But um, I, I guess, is anyone taking the Jets on that? Or is this a uh, pretty clean sweep for the Rams? I mean, they look really good at the moment, both defensively and look okay offensively. But surely this is going to be an absolute blowout, right? 
You'd think so. I think can, from my perspective, at least I'll keep this relatively quick. Yeah. It's hard to see why. I mean, obviously the Rams will win. That's for certain. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I would need 20 plus points to be able to pick the Jets. So I'm going to take the Rams to cover. Yeah. So in the past six seasons, there's only been five games that have had a spread higher than 17. So this is, this is up there uh, for the most in a very long time. I'm same with Eddie. Uh, I'll take the Rams. This is my survivor pick of the week. So I'll take the Rams. I'll take the Rams to cover. Yeah, I think it, it's always one of those things with these kind of spreads when a team just comes out, scores a touchdown at the start, and suddenly, well, I guess in this context, you're looking at 24 points back. Uh, but the thing is with the Rams, like they yield the third least points in the NFL. So I think even if, <laughs> I, I don't think the Jets can even score past this Rams team. So uh, yeah, for me, the 17 and a half actually feels okay. So yeah, I'm going to take the Rams in to win as well. Um, next up is the Eagles at the Cardinals and the Cardinals are six point favorites. Yeah. I don't believe in Jalen hurts. Well, just keep it that simple. I, I think, I think he's terrible. And, uh, I think this is a game nice for them to have the good performance and the win against a saints team that didn't really turn up, but this is where he shows his true colors and as inconsistent as the Cardinals are and as frustrating they are in many respects. I think they won't have to be that good to win this game. So I'm going to take the Cardinals to win and cover the spread. Yeah, Cardinals in a in a must win here. I, I guess you could say the same about the Eagles, but um, Cards right now are sitting about 50% chance to make the playoffs. It'll definitely bump up a lot more if they can win this. Uh, and then they have to face the Niners, which you think they could hopefully pull off a win and then go into the last week against the Rams, you know, with a much better chance to make the playoffs if they lose one of these next two. Yeah, they're pretty much done. So this is a must win for them. I'll I'll take the cards. Uh, also, I mean, I don't mind Hurts, but I think as your second start, it's going to be a lot tougher than that first one was. So he might not perform as well as everyone in Philly is expecting him to perform. Um, interesting, though, it's the last two quarterbacks for Oklahoma and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. So matching up against each other. Um, yeah, I agree with you both. I, I think the Cardinals will win this. Like, I'm, the the thing with Jalen Hurts, right, is he's now going to be front and center. But also, you look at that Cardinals uh, defense against the Giants, where they sacked what eight times. Uh, they got to the QB eight times, and um, he's going to be under pressure. It's going to be a really kind of tough game, I think, for Hurts. So yeah, I'm taking the Cardinals into cover as well. And also, Murray played pretty mistake free. Um, football last week. So I, I, I think, um, you know, as long as that happens again, this should be a good win for the Cardinals. So uh, next up is the Chiefs at the Saints and the Saints, sorry, the Chiefs are three point favorites. Yeah. I mean, I don't see a lot to like about the Saints at the moment. So I'm somewhat surprised by how small a spread this is. Uh, the only thing I will say is the Chiefs have not been tremendous against the spread this year. They are six and seven against the spread. They're five and seven games where they're favored. So I think I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think this will be kind of a statement win from them. Is now I'm going to expect them to switch into playoff mode. And this is their opportunity to go on the road, beat the Saints in the Superdome. 
and maybe from a Mahomes perspective, even for him, could potentially seal the MVP in this one. Uh, so I'm going to take the Chiefs to win and cover the spread. I just think they'll be too, too much firepower, too fast, and just score too many points. I completely agree, Eddie. The thing that kind of gets me, and we've talked about this all year, I think we've kind of both been on a similar feeling. You know, I think the spread is close because there's this expectation that Drew Brees is going to come back. One, he's not going to be 100%. The guy had 11 broken ribs and a punctured lung. Two, coming back to the what me and you have agreed on all year is, I don't think Drew Brees is what he was two, three, even one year ago, you know, so even getting Drew Brees an 80% Drew Brees is not that much of an improvement over Taysom Hill. And especially how Taysom Hill played that first half, you could argue that Jemias Winston is the one that you want to start here over both of them. You're just going to stick with that joke and then hope that people know you're joking. The one thing I'll say is just not to cut you off, but the only way Drew Brees coming back would influence would make you want to pick the saints is if you told me that during his timeout injured, he had an arm transplant. <laughs> that would yeah, be really no, weird. That would be really yeah. weird. If you had an arm transplant, you would need it to like match your like skin color and everything. Wouldn't it? Not necessarily. For some like inhumane, I don't know. Wouldn't that just be weird to just get this app? I'd just go for like a prosthetic robotic arm. Right. I don't think no, that, that, that would be that. legal. Yeah, uh, yeah, to be a human arm. <laughs> so, so yeah, just um, I, I'm all in on the Chiefs. Uh, I think they can win this, and I think they'll cover. Eddie, I have a pretty good statistic for you. So Patrick Mahomes, when trailing by more than ten points, is eight and one as a starter. Pretty impressive stat. Do you want to take a guess? at who's got the next best record of oh, specifically when trailing by more than 10 points. Yeah. Uh, next best out of current quarterbacks. Yeah. I think it's in the past two years. I think uh, Russell Wilson. Nope. Big Ben. And his record is three and two. That's how crazy of a stat that is. And Mahomes is eight and one, and the next best person is three and two. Well, when when Big Ben has his back against the wall, he just whips it out and powers forward. So it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. We're talking he's... the football field, not the not the wall of the club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't surprise me. He's he's stubborn. Yeah, just to top it off, I I kind of agree with you all. I think the the thing with the Chiefs is you always worry about that was it the last four that they've won within the score uh, but this is three so it actually kind of fits that bill the Saints didn't really do much to give me more confidence in them but I think the Chiefs will just kind of turn it on here and score pretty well and I, I think they'll beat the Saints so yeah Chiefs and to cover for me um, brings us to the last couple of games. So we've got Browns at the Giants and the Browns are four and a half point favorites, which surprises me a little bit, but I uh, don't know what you guys think. It's hard to see if the Browns can in any way replicate what they did on Monday. I just don't see any avenue for the Giants to even keep this close. Like, I don't see 
the only selling point here for the Giants is their defense. I think the Browns probably have a better defense. And they clearly have the advantage when it comes to the offense. So I'll keep this relative. I think they will run all over the Giants. And I think you can count on Daniel Jones to have his two turnovers. And this could this is going to get out of hand quickly. Yeah. So I, I I don't think Daniel Jones is even going to play. Uh, oh, from what well I've then... heard now, he hurt his other ankle. So now he has a bum leg and then a bum ankle separate. So he could barely stand in the pocket last week. So I think, and I think the right thing to do is just sit him at this point. I mean, being a giant fan, I'm content with the fact that they kind of overperform this year, pack it up. You don't want to go to the playoffs and get embarrassed, you know, save your draft pick, get a good one, had a decent season for Joe judge first year. Let's just call it a game. The scary part is, is maybe, Colt McCoy facing his old team in the Browns might be a more motivated, better quarterback than a injured Daniel Jones. The giants, they, I don't think they can score enough. I I mean, they don't, they can barely score over 20 points ever. And you have a Browns team who can definitely score. And I think actually they're going to, I think Mayfield's going to have another big game. I think they will run the ball decently, but I think Mayfield could have 300 plus yards. Uh, against against this this team here especially working that play action they'll bite like crazy Uh, i'll take the browns here the cool stat i found was they previously faced each other in 2016 so not that long ago there are only three players still on the roster from the browns 2016 team i thought that was crazy until i heard that the giants only have one player on that roster from 2016. And that's Sterling Shepard is the only one on the team from four years ago. That's insane. Yeah. That's kind of crazy to only have four players still on their respective teams. Yeah. And you have a Browns. Yeah. And you have a Browns team that has BJ Goodson, Olivier Vernon and Odell Beckham that were on the giants. And then you have Jabril Peppers and breaking news. Jason Garrett now has tested positive with COVID. So who's calling the offensive players for the Giants? Freddie fucking Kitchens. Oh, really? Welcome to Cleveland. Yeah, I did see oh, that. My <laughs> God, this, this line should be 40. It was, I was listening to the radio and the guy was like, this is like a movie script waiting to happen. And I really want to call it and be like, is that the worst fucking movie script of all time? Because who wants to see a movie with Freddie Kitchen's revenge story? I'll keep this quick as well. I just think um, what one of the only problems that the Browns had was that they gave up a lot of ground in the running game. Like, are the Giants going to do anything like that? Probably not. The, the Browns will completely outscore them here. It'll be a bit of a blowout. So yeah, I'll take the, the Browns and the points. And then the final game is the, the Steelers at my poor Bengals. And there is not a scenario where Cincinnati come out with a win in this game. Like it really doesn't matter about the Steelers, like losing the last couple. When you look at the Steelers, right, they're still first in total defense and they've racked up like 45 sacks and they're going up against a Bengals team that A, already can't score with Brandon Allen. I I think this is, I don't think it's going to be like the highest scoring game, but I honestly can't see the Bengals getting over like 12, 15, something like that. I, I can't see it happening. So 
the Steelers don't need that much. They only need to get up to 30, and I think that's going to be pretty simple to do. So, yeah, I'm taking uh, the, the spread 13, and I'm taking that. Yeah, I'd mostly agree with you. I think this is for a Steelers team that's uh, lost its way a little bit over the last couple of games. This is the perfect tonic for refining their form. So I think they, it would be hard for them to pick a better matchup. And yeah, I just think their pass rush is going to get get to Allen all game long. The, the Bengals are going to struggle to move the ball. I maybe even gives the Steelers an opportunity to try and get their own running game going and to focus on that for a while. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to win and cover the spread. Now, is that like a fancy fever tree tonic, Eddie, or is that just a generic tonic? Uh, because it involves the Bengals, it's a very generic, slightly flat tonic. It's like a soda stream tonic. <laughs> yeah, a soda stream that's not working anymore. Yeah, yeah, don't get the gas is at the end. The gas is at the end. What's wrong with Soda Stream? Oh, it's cursed. It's, it's very cursed. You didn't <laughs> know that Soda so- Stream cursed. <laughs> Soda Streams are made on disputed territory in Israel, and they are cursed. And let's they just say ruined- Frank got his hands on one a few years back, and a lot of people's lives went to shit because of it. <laughs> I mean, I guess here's the thing: is interesting twist is the Soda Stream cursed? Or did the Duca curse curse the soda stream and then that cursed other people? This is the thing. We don't know which curse came first. Sam, I'll just put it this way. I had a soda stream. Some people's lives were worse because of it. I then handed off said soda stream. And then the the hands that touched that soda stream, people surrounding them also had much more difficult lives because of it. Let's put it that that, that soda stream, don't don't know where it is anymore. It has a kill count of at least two. Not actual deaths, but just relationships and lives destroyed. I think it was, I think... um, yeah, I was going to say, I think I last saw the soda stream at a fish market in Wuhan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, Frank, sorry, you, you had your pick still, yeah? Yeah, you're good. Uh, I was just interested in the tonic. And you know what I really miss this year, now that now that we're on the tonic? I really miss that nice big gin and tonic from, from our place. That's like the third time I've mentioned that on this podcast, I think. <laughs> From our place in Clapham. But getting back to this thrilling Monday night game. Only just going to say two issues here. I like that you refer to it as our place. And the other issue is if we're going to be tied to any bar in London, it's obviously the big chill. We can't try and build relationships <laughs> with a rival bar. That's, I wouldn't call that a rival bar. They're all they're hey, It's two bars. They're all rivals. That's a very mean way to have an outlook on life, Eddie. Eddie's very territorial. It doesn't matter the distance. It's a yeah. bar. So the last time they met, the Steelers beat the Bengals 36 to 10, and that was with Joe Burrow. And I and I get the Steelers are having some issues, but I don't see that changing. And that was a 26-point win with Joe Burrow. I, I it's yeah, they should have no problem covering. I'll take Steelers into cover. All right. Another week down. I need two to go after this, and then we're in the playoffs. So, Sam, I guess I need to ask you, you know, we talked in our chat 
how thrilled you were with a Arsenal draw this weekend. Is that how, is that how much your expectations have fallen? There was a, there was a bit of sarcasm in my, in my message, but I tell you what, it was really important for Arsenal to stop the rot at some point and quickly. And they did a couple of things in that. There was a lot of, um, there was like three things that were really messing up Arsenal to name a few others as well. But there was a lot of talk about the fact that Arsenal had never lost five home games in a row since the club's inception in the late 1800s. There was a lot of talk about Yang not playing well and obviously playing pretty terribly, looking lethargic, low on confidence. So Arteta moved him out on the left this time. And I think he put in a much more animated game. He was a lot better, which was good. And he obviously scored. So hopefully that kicks something on. But more importantly, it was just a case of they went down again to 10 men. And luckily this time held on. And I, I just think all of those things can potentially ignite something, but it just really mattered that that wasn't a loss. And so there was sarcasm in how bad Arsenal have declined to get to that point where I need to, where I need to be screaming about a draw at home to Southampton. But I do think it matters in the context of Arsenal season that that rut stopped sooner than later, for sure. So you think the draw stops the rut? That to me is the interesting take there. I I do. I, I just think anything that's not a loss stops a rot. I, I do. I mean, let's be honest. I don't know. Arsenal could go back to playing exactly like they have done. And there wasn't much with Southampton that suggested much, that much has changed. It was like in that game, I'd say there was about 20 minutes where Arsenal were on par or slightly better. Southampton were the better team for almost all the game. But they could have gone top that night Southampton they're not they're not a bad team they're a very good team and um I I do think that has stopped the rot even just as like a putting a plaster over a wound at the moment but it has just stopped the constant run of losses at the moment the the issue here is you're facing the potential that you've been decapitated and you've just stuck a stuck a band-aid on it that's that's the issue here is like technically (laughs) yes you've you've slowed the bleeding but the the damage might already be fatal like this is what we don't know yet maybe uh you know what there's two-thirds of the season left i'm gonna give i still think like you said last time like arsenal won't get relegated but we need a Bama Yang scoring in order for that to stop happening. And hopefully that goal kind of triggers on a better run of form. Um, I just want to say officially, and I'm not, I'm normally not the kind of person who, who hopes for bad things to happen to certain clubs, but I am officially, I would love it. I can do a Kevin Keegan here. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. If Arsenal go down, like few things would amuse me more in, in the world of football than watching. I mean, Arsenal fan TV, in the championship would be oh. amazing. <laughs> it would go more feral. They, yeah, they would be them more of, obnoxious. <laughs> them outside of Rotherham, just I, ranting about, about their players would be amazing. The depressing reality of Rotherham that I was going to use them as well. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah, it's, I don't know. There's a part of me that would like to see Man U relegated just because some of our friends may set fire to cities they may raise cities to the ground if madison man you got relegated it just wouldn't i mean look arsenal probably won't go down either and 
we would have said this was already Arsenal being this bad would have been almost inconceivable last year. But United aren't going to be going down anytime soon. So I'd love it. I'd like to see. I would. It would amuse. I mean, Liverpool being relegated would amuse me too. But that's not going to happen either. But there is a chance, as slim as it might be right now, there is at least a chance that Arsenal go down. And it would. I'll put it this way: if I have the option, either Arsenal being relegated or Blackburn being promoted, which one do I want to happen more? It's Blackburn, but I would think about it. <laughs> Speaking of the. Liverpool, uh, did you see Mourinho's comments? Obviously, there yeah. was a couple of comments, right? So the injuries one um, and the if I did this, I would get punished scenario. And you know what? I, I know it's a bit... And his made better team one white. comment. Yeah. Like, I know it's black and white, but I actually agree with his injuries point. So basically, Frank, I don't know if you saw this, but Mourinho was asked about Liverpool's injury list, you know, very, very publicly made by Klopp that they are getting, you know, random sanded down to the bone, essentially, with the amount of injuries they've got. And he basically listed their top 11 players. And he was like, is he injured? No. Is he injured? No. So he went through like Robinson, Firmino, Sane, went through the whole team. And he said, Van Dijk's injured and Van Dijk's a really good player. But give me Liverpool's top 11 players and they're all fit except for Van Dijk. And I kind of agree with him. Like when you actually look at Liverpool's best 11, they're still fit. They're missing two somewhat important players. I mean, Van Dijk is the only one. You're, you're, from their best 11, Van Dijk's the only one out. Um, but and what bothers me about it too is you now have Liverpool supporters sort of bemoaning their bad luck with injuries but then they were they thought it was hilarious last year when city just kept having injury after injury after injury and that you, you can't have it both ways and even with Klopp I, he's just a king he's such a moaner and I do like him and I think he does a really good job but he's just such a moaner and it gets very tiresome and I think it you can see why it bothers Mourinho because in very they are quite similar characters in some respect even if they're approach to football is radically different but in terms of actually their behavior quite different it's just that Klopp smiles while he does it and so everyone thinks it's very friendly and likable and lovable throughout the entire process whereas Mourinho just stares at people and has no sort of facial reaction and so he's the you know unhappy disgruntled one all the time yeah, what, I mean, that that, you... that was the scenario, right, wasn't it? That Klopp and Mourinho came together on the touchline. Mourinho said the better team lost. And Klopp just smiled and said, like, oh, I thought he was joking kind of thing. But obviously, if that was the other way around, Klopp would be on screaming at BT Sport, maybe, or Amazon Prime, you know, complaining about fixture lists, etc. Uh, yeah, it's the, it's the double standard of Klopp that really, really grinds me. But uh, yeah, I take your point. I mean, is there any truth to that? That the better team lost. I mean, I watched. I watched the match. I didn't think uh, maybe Spurs should have gotten a point out of it, but I, I don't think they were deserving of three. I think. I think better team lost is a bit of a tough one because the draw was probably a fair. I think they're actually both. You know, they both had good spells. Um, the better team losing actually covers the draw as well. I think the draw would have been a fairer result. So by saying yeah. the better team lost, it's kind of 
you, you're kind of saying that that's it. But I, I think the draw would have been a fairer result. But um, take Mourinho's point, it was extremely competitive until the last minute goal. I guess also too, is he meaning college football better team lost? Like, does he just think that the better team <laughs> over the course of the season that a better team and he's just warning him, look, better team lost, but over the <laughs> over 38 matches, we're winning the league. Um, who knows? But you know, Mourinho, he's all mind games and stuff. So who knows what he's up to? I guess also worth noting that Manchester United won tonight. So they are now up to up to sixth and only five points off top with still with that game in hand. So the United troubles and the Solskjaer being close to getting sacked could could be turned around relatively quickly. Glad you both found that really interesting too. <laughs> oh no, I, w- I was just reminding myself that Arsenal are only you know, four wins away from second. So it's... Um... Well, every team could do this. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. And I love that. I used to do it so much in Football Manager. <laughs> be like, I mean, I'm clearly United, getting relegated. Sheffield United are only nine wins off top. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's, I think it's looking really good for them. Yeah, but, it's not um, that bad. I mean, the, actually, speaking of that, um, obviously, we mentioned on the podcast about, like, who would replace Arteta? <laughs> like one of the best talents out there for saving a relegated team and turning them around. Big Sam's gone to West Brom. So Arsenal probably have to keep Arteta now, right? No other choices. Yeah, the the person who was guaranteed to keep them up is is gone. So may as well stick with Arteta. But I guess nice to see Big Sam back in football. He's been out of the game for basically three years, so Nice to see him back, and West Brom seems just about, not to be dismissive of his talents or his credentials, but West Brom seems just about the right club for him. So we get to our bets of the week? Sure. I, I've got an easy one. I can, I can run mine off really quickly. Wait, but I want the updates, Eddie. Uh, yeah, I want the updates as well, because I'm pretty sure... I had a win. Un- unfortunately, my update <laughs> calculations were a bit lost in the recount, I have to say. So exact figures Six. are not currently available. <laughs> the only Eddie has, Eddie has 8.2 million. <laughs> well, can no, you just no. can you just tell us if we won or lost from last week? Yes, yeah, so uh Sam won. His his last gasp. Uh, loan to stay in it uh, kept him in it because he had his his treble of Southampton the Packers and the Titans I, won. I didn't have a loan well actually it's unclear whether or not you've actually he had was in loan, loan territory I, yeah, I was in loan, loan I had one shot but it was not a loan I, I had we 10K. think the, re- the recount is going to have to reveal this one I can't, it's possible that you dipped into the negative for your last weeks but I, I believe it was your final 5,000 yes but uh, all of this will be sorted out in the official recount that is currently on. I've got a whole team working on it. It's it's very detailed, time uh, time consuming work. I lost. Mine had several losers. City drew with United. Liverpool drew with uh, with Fulham. So my my bet of the week didn't make it very far. And Frank, you. One, damn right I did. Two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah. 
So in that respect, I will tell you what my bet of the week is, which is I'm going to put 20,000 of our fictional dollars on a very straightforward NFL threefold. So three-team parlay. So I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks to win, the Kansas City Chiefs to win, and the Pittsburgh Steelers to win. And that pays 1.43. A little NFL menage a trois. Yes. Well, I am going to keep on trucking with my goal scoring prediction abilities. Two weeks in a row now, I've I've nailed it, and I'm just going to keep it rolling. I'm going to carry over whatever I won, and I'm going to go for the double again. Sam, you might want to hold your ears for this one because one of them is Obama Yang to score. Anytime. <laughs> so he's finally scored. As Sam said, it looked much better. So I think he's going to keep that going, get some momentum. He has some confidence back. He's going to net another one. And I'm going to parlay that up with Lewandowski. So he's got three in his last two games and he's got three in his last two games against Leverkusen who they're playing. So I'll go with that double and it pays 2.3. Um, I put five. You've actually you've undersold yourself there, based on the oh. official bookmaker of the Big Chill podcast. It pays two point four three. Ayo. <laughs> so, I had five k. I won at one point nine one. So I've got what like fourteen, fourteen and a half grand. Yeah. Okay. So. I want, I want to put the winnings on back down to 5K, if that makes sense. So whatever the specifics of it are, like 9,000, yeah. whatever. One horse. That's it. I'm not going for any additionals. I go one horse. So there's a really good set of racing this weekend at Ascot. Uh, one of the one of my favorite races or one of like my favorite um, distances is Stayers Hurdles. And uh, there's a race at Ascot a uh, Saturday afternoon called the long walk hurdle. And the reason I really like that race is because a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a really good uh, tussle or renewal between Paisley Park and Time Hill. And they're going up against it again. And Paisley Park for me looked really good on the return, had some problems uh, last couple of times out because of like an irregular heartbeat and basically an illness but actually ran down Time Hill really well. And uh, the connections and the trainers come out and said, absolutely ready and raring to go, looks great. And this will be a really good litmus test for the Cheltenham Festival as well. And Paisley Park is two to one joint favorite with Time Hill. But I think Paisley Park has got way more, um, both in experience, both in the tank and just both on historical performances. So I think the two to one on Paisley Park is really good value. So, um, do I take the SP or do I take the two to one? I'm going to take the two to one. So I'll, I'll lock we'll my give two you, to one. Do you know what? We'll give you best odds guaranteed. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll take BOG then. Yep. So I'll take is it two the, to one or is it, Park. or is it 15 to eight? It's two to one. Currently, currently available at two to one with the official bookmaker of the Big Show podcast. Who are not currently offering best odds guaranteed on this race, but 
I'll, I'll offer you the base gods guaranteed just because I don't think it will be any bigger than two to one anyway. So it's, it's kind of empty, empty offer. It would be a little bit different if you were picking like a 10 to one that might end up going off at 18 to one. But in this instance, it's not going to be significantly bigger than two to one under any circumstances. So, yeah. And that's the 225 at Ascot unless, on Saturday. Uh, yeah. Unless there's some painful ground changes. Yeah. But, but the good thing about that race run. as well. Yeah, exactly. So I get money back. So <laughs> I'm no, doing no. money back, Andy. No, 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 no. You, this is, we don't we don't offer no no runner no bet. We'll give you best odds guaranteed. But if it if it's withdrawn, you lose. Ah, uh, shit. Okay. No, no. Uh, you know I'm, what? I'm, I'm still going to take just it. They're, they just are kidding. so confident about this race. But the good thing about that race, though, is that there's another horse in it called Main Fact. And it will run off a little bit longer odds. I haven't seen the odds for it, but probably about fours. Five um, to one. But it's probably. undefeated. It's 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 actually pretty good value for that horse. But main facts undefeated as well. And you're you're going to see these three horses probably go to the Stayers Hurdle at Cheltenham Festival as well. So it'll be a really good test because usually the ground at Ascot's quite soft, and there's some similarities with the way it plays at Cheltenham as well. So this will be a great little race. So, um, but my my picks Paisley Park. Yeah, it's currently a 4.3 on the going stick. So you're you're looking at soft to heavy in places at that at that level. The thing is though, like Ascot's concept of soft to heavy, this is really dull, but Ascot's concept of like soft to heavy is very different to other courses. Um Ascot's got really good drainage. There we go. That's the most boring thing I'll ever say in my life. But um yeah, anyway, for that reason. I do like that Porsche is sponsoring the race. So it's the long walk hurdle. It makes it sound like these horses are going so slow that they can't even run. They're just like trotting along, but sponsored by Porsche. <laughs> I think it used to be called something else. I think it was like called the, the model hurdle or something like that before, because this is a big race because previous winners are people like Big Bucks, uh, Rev de Savola, uh, Thistlecrack won it as well uh there's some really good winners in this race that go on crack, be really is, famous horses. who's running it in the thistle crack is running it in this year at yeah, 25 at to 1 yeah yeah how much crazy. has that dropped yeah. well it's it's twice its an age right horse. so it's an old old horse yeah yeah 12 years old 12 years young eddie i hate that expression We'll eventually do a podcast on expressions that annoy me, not just specifically me. You, you can also have expressions that annoy you. But... <laughs> no, but yours will take up the whole podcast, so we won't have a chance. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just as a teaser, one of mine is, is, is it is what it is. I hate that <laughs> so much. Wow. And I, the one in sport that annoys me the most is when people do the plural of uh, like players. Like when you look back on the golden generation of England and you got your Beckhams, you've got your Carragers, you've got your, it's like, no, you had Beckham and Carragher. Like, unless you're saying Neville's, there was only one of them. So you don't need to make them into plurals. Kind of like the families were on the pitch as well. The family of Carragers. <laughs> yes. Much as possible. Maybe they were just spitting at people. So Eddie, have you put up any Christmas decorations? I'm in my parents' house now, so. Oh. So have so your parents I, put up any any holiday decorations? Uh, minimal, so far. 
just like bits and pieces around there. The Christmas tree is up, but it is yet to be decorated. Uh, do you, does your family do a Christmas Eve decoration on the no, tree? No, but um, I kind of do it, usually wait until everyone is together and then kind of like decorate the tree together. Do you, so, do you wear, do you put on like Christmas pajamas and do it? Yeah, it's even when we're doing it at it's six in the afternoon. It's a Christmas onesie. <laughs> you put on your Christmas onesies and you decorate the tree? No, actually my family has a very unique Christmas tradition and we just remain totally in the nude from the 24th to the 26th. <laughs> and and you always... You hoist your dad on your shoulders to put up the to put up the angel or the star on the top of the tree. Exactly, it's a huge tree. There's no other way around it. But, but, uh, but you go exception. chest to chest. <laughs> the only exception is you're allowed to put on your like from your cracker. You can put on your paper paper crown. But apart from that, no clothing for your seventy-two what? hours. Oh, see, that's something I wanted to talk about because, like, British America or European American Christmas traditions. Like, maybe we yeah. can do that in our last end of season episode coming up. Yeah, that'll be a good. So, one. A, a Christmas cracker, a little bit difficult to explain, but it's yeah, because it's really racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's a paper cracker, so it's it's this like uh, piece of cardboard that. Uh, oh, you pull from either end and it tears away sort of a third of the way up on either side and then inside of it it has a uh, uh, little I mean what's that called the strip it's, that it has. It's, it's like a it's like a noise that a firecracker would make as you pull it yeah. it just makes like a so you pull it the, the sound goes off it pops and Okay. You t it tears away on one end, so someone ends up with two thirds of it, and the other person ends up with just a third of it in their hands. And the person with the two thirds is the winner. And then like inside of it, in kind of yeah, like a wishbone concept. And inside of it, it will contain some kind of toy, kind of gimmicky gift. So the stereotypical things you get is like a mini set of screwdrivers, some like little magical puzzles like a thimble different yeah thimble yeah like a whole range of stuff it depends where you get it from and some can be quite luxurious some are pretty a basic. dreidel or something yeah for some reason very jewish but um, I, yeah <laughs> it then contains a piece of paper that has a joke which is like a corny christmas joke and then also a fact and then it also has a paper crown that everyone wears. Wow. That is quite the tradition. I mean, I have never felt more festive than the way Eddie just described that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a piece of cardboard that you pull. There's a lot in there. <laughs> I, I mean, look, there's something in that good. thing. No, no, no. They can, they can actually get super luxurious. Like you yeah, can yeah. get like these. Massive if you get like Harrods sell Christmas crackers, you can go to Harrods and buy their Christmas crackers, and inside are really nice little trinkets. Yeah, a yacht. Yeah, they're <laughs> limited, obviously, by size, but you could have car keys, I guess. You could have, you could be, oh, I got the Porsche. <laughs> How shitty would it be if there was two crackers and one had the keys to a Porsche and the other had, um, had a, a what was it, a mini screwdriver set? <laughs> 
<laughs> but you you tried to guess you heard the jangling of both and you were like oh i got a good feeling about this one <laughs> and, you and, then, screwdrivers. and then you lose both <laughs> no did you not get the car you also didn't get the screwdrivers but yeah they, you see them all over the place in england and then i think in my family which relatively traditional you we everyone you do your crackers at the start of your sort of christmas dinner and then people will put on their paper crowns and then they'll over the course of the dinner like tell the joke or tell their fun fact it's actually kind of a useful way particularly if you do have your meal extend beyond just your immediate family members or something it's kind of you would love it in this sense frank it's a good icebreaker it gives everyone a conversation starter like everyone has a joke to tell everyone has a little fact like it's a good way of involving everyone in it yeah so your icebreaker would be like, how about those lions? And the you would have like a top five that someone would say as well. Like that would be your perfect insert of a cracker. Yeah, actually that was interesting to me whenever when we went um, to, to your parents' place and every dinner we had, everyone had to be like spread out to me that like in itself is like a pretty like uh, non-american thing i will here's a, here i'll give you an example of some of the christmas see maybe sam will be able to guess the answer there's a lot of puns i'll tell you like basically all the jokes have puns in them so what does santa suffer from if he gets stuck in a chimney black ass <laughs> okay no 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 think Think subtle. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I actually don't know, by the way. Uh, claustrophobia, like Santa Claus. Claustrophobia. This is the type of... I see your reaction, oh, Frank. No, is <laughs> no, no one laughs. Usually yeah. you just get a little bit angry that someone's thought it's about it. It's a groan. It. Someone's heard it before, so you usually get the person who ruins it because they've heard it before, and it's like, okay, but... Um, what kind of motorbike does Santa ride? A Harley reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> you were so close, but you missed it. Really? It's, a, it's a Holly Davidson. No, no. Oh, you had it, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Who delivers presents to cats? Father pause santa pause come on, oh, come on. <laughs> sam, <laughs> sam how close can you be without getting these this is a great game <laughs> okay Maybe we could do this like next week we can just run yeah. through. Like, how close could sam get but not actually tell the joke <laughs> what type of shoes does santa wear when he travels on a train this is actually one. No, I'm going to even skip this one. This one's terrible. It's platforms. Um... <laughs> That's, <a good> <laughs> That's got nothing to do with Christmas. That's no. a train joke. Yeah, it's just a train joke. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever um, wrote this is obsessed with trains. Actually, there are quite a lot of quite a lot of train jokes. Did Sheldon Cooper write this? Uh, oh, I've got 2020 themed ones. Maybe save some, save some of these ones. Um, what did Santa die of this year? <laughs> well, one of them is, 
<laughs> this is only one for English people. What is Dominic Cunning's favorite Christmas song? Oh, crap. I've completely forgotten the name of the castle. It's got to be something to do with like Durham Castle or something like that. I'm trying it's, to think it's of It's not, the... but it's the con- It's driving home for Christmas. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> he, for context, Did he die in a car crash? Or... <laughs> no, he he is a he is a member of parliament. Well, a minister. Uh, he's he's a member of cab- of the cabinet. Who? No, he, um, yeah, he's just a he's not even elected. Who broke uh, COVID protocols to drive home and gave some really bad excuses about why he did it? Makes very little sense. And then why he had to drive back as well. I know. Something about English people is they love puns and they love rhyming. Love it. <laughs> Fucking go mental for it. <laughs> Every headline. I'll give you a couple ones then just to round this off so they don't have to do it again next time. How is Prince Andrew coping with the stress of Christmas this year? Fine. Okay. No, no sweat. Uh, oh, this is actually here. We got. Why couldn't Mary and Joseph join their work conference call? Because um, they were on Bethlehem time. No. This is this is not good, but at least it's because there was no Zoom at the inn. <laughs> How about there was no Zoom in that time period? That would be just as boring and good. <laughs> no, but Frank, the reason why they slept in the manger was because there was no room at the inn. So I get that's... it, but still, it's still dumb. No, I'm not saying they're good, but at least this time around, whoever wrote them, out of the best 2020 ones, at least managed to get a kind of Christmas pun in there. They got a rhyme in. Yeah. All right, I'll give you actually one final one. Why are Santa's reindeer allowed to travel on Christmas Eve? Because they have herd immunity. <laughs> These are terrible. But that's that's that one is about the right level for a Christmas cracker joke. Got it. When you first said Christmas cracker, I thought it was a legitimate uh, like food cracker. Like it was like a big cracker. No. You guys all broke into you pieces and ate. You know the what's table. hilarious? You know what's hilarious? I actually read a an article about the differences between British and American traditions, and it said that most Americans think a Christmas cracker is food. <laughs> and then you've just confirmed it. Yeah, I would have had no idea. I, now that you've said what it is, and I've looked it up. I've seen them before and I know what you mean, but I didn't know that was a thing at all. You'll have definitely seen them in movies. I'm sure they're, for example, to make appearance at some point in love, actually. Like they're not in Harry Potter. Too magical Harry Potter. I don't know if they're in love, actually. I will I will glue my eyes to the screen to see if I see a cracker in love actually. Oh, you're gonna rewatch oh yeah, because you rewatch it every year because you're a misogynist. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> That's the reason. <laughs> right after entertaining our audience with some incredible jokes, uh, 
any other sports stories to cover or should we just wrap it up there? <laughs> not non-intended Christmas pun. I think we can save our, we can, as Sam said, talk about our Christmas traditions or holiday traditions at the, at our final episode on Monday. Then I can also tell you one of the things I'm looking most forward to for the Christmas break. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, you can't. <laughs> I mean, wait. <laughs> is that a threat? <laughs> no, it just means I'm going to tell you off air. <laughs> so you can't wait. Oh, joy. You can't wait to have it spoiled for me. Good day. Nothing from me. All right. Well, take your boys later. See ya. Stereo. Stereo.